You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey, guys and gals. Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. Alright folks, here's the skinny. This episode is supposed to drop October 31st, meaning that it drops one day before November 1st, meaning that our favorite month of the entire year is here. If you are a deer hunter, it's Super Bowl time. Like This is what we've been training for, dreaming of, working towards all year long and so this episode is going to be especially dedicated just to the month of November and so that's the plan for this week Uh, I am going to do my little intro here and talk about some stuff that I did last weekend what I'm going to be doing this weekend and then after that uh, gets going we are going to just completely focus on November and I'm going to do kind of a two-parter type thing I'm going to kind of break down the month and what happens during that time, what deer do, you know, just kind of things that I've uh, noticed over the last several years that I've been hunting. Uh, And then after that, we're going to kind of go through some more like tactics stuff, you know, uh, trail camera strategies, hunting strategies, that type of thing. So it's going to be somewhat of a two-parter. I don't know why I like doing two-parters, but it's just just how I organize in my brain, I guess. So, So yeah, that's what we have in store for this week, but just just a hallelujah (laughs) hallelujah that we made it it's november the rut is here uh duck season if you're a duck hunter november is a great time to get out and uh, start doing some duck hunting it's just uh, it's just an amazing time of year i've been saying that for like the last month but that's because the last month has been hunting season and i love hunting season i love the fall but like i said this week we're going to be specifically talking about november hunting strategies so that's the plan for this episode but of course before we get into that i got a ton of stuff to talk about just what i've been up to lately so uh if you don't want to hear me ramble on feel free to skip ahead but uh, i think i'm you know somewhat interesting and i know there's a lot of you guys that like following along so uh, oh, speaking of that, uh, man, it has been awesome. I've been getting a ton of messages on both Facebook and Instagram uh, from followers. Uh, had several people reach out. Uh, you know, they were about to go hunting or something, asking for you know advice or tips or whatever, and got to talk through some stuff with that. Uh, I think I've had at least three people uh, that have reached out to me, you know, messaged me back that they were successful, whether it be a duck, uh, a duck, a buck or a doe, whatever it might be. And uh, guys, I love that interaction, and especially this time of year. So again, uh, I've talked about it for the last couple of weeks. If you have any questions or topics or anything, feel free to reach out to me on social media. Uh, I'm pretty darn good about getting back, back to folks. So just wanted to throw that out there. But anyway, me last weekend. So I got off work a little early on Friday, headed out to the ranch, and I had fairly high hopes. Uh, you know, we had that cold front last week. Obviously, it warmed up all weekend long, which was pretty terrible. Um, But Friday, I I thought some of that, um, you know, movement might continue. And I had one of my pretty nice eight points. He had come three nights in a row, like right at shooting, or end of shooting light, I should say. 
Um, I think that cold front kind of peaked on Wednesday. He came in about five minutes before legal light ended. And then the next two days, he was there like right at the end of legal light, showing up at one of my feeders. And so that particular feeder, I've hunted it several times in the past. And this year, I hung in a, another stand, a second stand, off of the feeder, up the creek, about, I'm going to say 100 yards, something like that. And the way the creek is, like, I can't see the feeder, but I've just watched so many deer. They come out on top of this hill, they go up to the creek, and then they head down to that feeder. And so my plan was to try to cut that buck off. It's the whole reason I put this second stand up. Uh, I had some limbs that were kind of low-hanging that I thought I could do some mock scrapes under. Um, so, yeah, so that was my plan. Hurried up there, ran by the house, you know, grabbed my bow, changed clothes and everything, got it in the stand about 5.15 or something. I had the feeder going off at 5.30, so I was pretty happy with that. You know, most of the deer movement I hadn't been seen until last light anyway. Sorry about that, folks. If you hear a little glitch, I hit a button mid-sentence. Um, but yeah, most of the deer activity hadn't been till last light, so get in the stand. Uh, I decided to take the trad bow, the long bow, instead of the compound bow, just because, I don't know, I, I just I had a feeling if I saw any deer, if they came by, they were going to be like 15 yards and under. And so even though like there was a pretty good buck, I was like, why not? Like I've been shooting this bow like crazy. I'm feeling incredibly confident 15 and under and really like out to 20. I don't know if I'd take a 20 yard shot, uh, but 15 and under, like I'm feeling pretty darn good. So took the long bow and uh, probably 45 minutes till dark, I had two does come out. And I mean, it was as if I had emailed them the script and they had studied it the night before, came right past me. Um, it was just perfect. One, uh, one went by at 15 yards, one went by at 13 yards. So ended up letting them go, even though that would have been a, a really nice longbow shot because I was just hoping that eight point would come out. Um, so let them go. And uh, one other thing I wanted to kind of talk about in this spot, so that creek kind of angles, um, and so it kind of goes, like from where I was, the creek kind of runs northwest just a little bit, but the feeder is basically straight south because, the, you know, the creek goes in an angle, feeder straight south. And we had a straight south wind, but uh, I just kind of, I, I assumed my wind would do this, and it worked out great. Uh, my wind just kind of falls into that creek and gets carried right beside that feeder and those two does went jumped into the pen uh, I had pictures of them they were there most of the evening what is technically straight down wind but because of that creek it pulled my scent down in there and they had no idea I was there so and I was able to get out clean that was awesome too because I'm not hunting directly on the feeder uh, there's a nice tree line and everything so that hunt, hunt turned out pretty darn cool uh, and then that uh that uh it wasn't a storm but just that crazy hot wind front, whatever you want to call that, uh, moved in Friday night. And I I came so close to sleeping in Saturday morning. Um, I'd had a long week at work, but I just, I knew I'd be kicking myself if I didn't. And that was the muzzleloader opener. And so, you know, I could just go hunt, sit in one of my nice cozy blinds out of the wind and, you know, just in case. So decided to wake up, took the muzzleloader and uh, sat in the saddle for the first time this year and did not see a, a darn thing, just like I had expected. I did see a coyote, if that counts. I didn't shoot it. I probably should have, but didn't shoot it. Um, but yeah, that was all I saw. Um, and then it was chore time. So like the main reason I went last weekend was to really get ready for this coming weekend. So uh, I wanted to check on my food plots because we had got some rain, but then we got some freezing temperatures. I don't think the freezing weather uh, affected them. Uh, I think it got down to like 29 or something like that. Um, but other than that, it was fairly warm. I did finally see some sprouts. So I, I, I still don't know what to think about it necessarily. Like I, I have some sprouts, but it's so late in the year. I just don't know if they have time to really grow and produce anything at this point. So um, kind of chalking it up to a wash. I, you know, if I get something out of them, great. Um, but I'm not that hopeful anymore. But so drove around, checked some cameras. Um, helped my dad out just a little bit, and then I uh, stopped and got some lunch, and then headed out to the public land spot that I, you know, been talking about a little bit. Um, I went ahead. I had an old stand just sitting in the barn, and so uh, I carried in my sticks in that stand, and went ahead and hung it in that spot that I had found uh, the previous time, and then took my sticks. So just the stand is there. So hopefully, you know, nobody else will see it, hunt it, whatever. Um, and then I went back to check my camera and quick side, you know, completely unrelated story. Uh, so for lunch, I had a 
buffalo chicken sandwich, and then I went, I scarfed it down because I was in a hurry, ran out there, hiked back, and that turned out to be a terrible decision. Don't do that, and uh, I will spare the details, but uh, I walked out of there uh, with a few less socks than I had walked in with, so yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that, but check the camera. Had a little bit of deer activity, uh, several does, um, one younger, like eight-point buck, probably looked like a two-year-old, and then I got one picture of half of a 10 points rack. Or, you know, I'm, what I'm assuming is a 10 point. Um, it was like not even half. It was like a third of his body. So I could just kind of see one side and he was facing the camera. So can't tell how old he is or anything. But he looks, from what I can tell, fairly like definitely a shooter. Definitely a public land shooter. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, it was a little disheartening that I only had one picture of him. Because that camera soaked for at least two weeks. Um, so I... I feel like I'm, you know, somewhat in the area, but probably not definitely on top of them. Uh, but I did bring a second camera with me because last time when I was, after I'd hung the camera, when I was walking out, I found what looked like an old hub scrape. Like it was, you know, there was no leaves in this one area. You could see a lick, an old licking branch. Um, so I carried in a second camera, hung it over that. The scrape didn't look like it had been used that year. I went ahead and kind of scruffed it up with my foot. Um, I did find one other scrape, uh, probably, I'm going to say, 40, 50 yards from that one. Um, and I thought about putting the camera on that one, but uh, it, I don't know. It just kind of, it had barely been worked. So more than likely, I kind of thought it was probably a younger buck. And so I thought it might be better to put it on this, you know, what is traditionally uh, what looked to me like a big hub, you know, multi-year use type scrape. So, so went ahead and put that camera there. If I go back and check it and there's nothing on it, I'll just simply move it over that other scrape and see what comes up. So, so that was pretty much my Saturday. Uh, I ended up not hunting Saturday afternoon. I think the wind was 24, 25 miles an hour. It got up to like, I think it hit 90 that day. So it was just super hot and windy. And I just had a feeling that nothing was going to be moving. And according to my cameras, I was right. So don't feel like I missed anything. And I decided my time was better spent getting ready for this upcoming weekend. Uh, so I went back to the house, pulled all my gear out, just kind of checked and double checked everything. Uh, you know, made sure I had my release and my headlamp and extra batteries and grunt call and rattle bag and like just all that type of stuff. Um, and then I got to talk about the muzzleloader real quick. If you're a new listener, I, I've talked about it on here a lot. Like I have a love hate relationship with muzzleloaders. Um, I'm fairly new to it. This will be my third muzzleloader season. Um, I don't want to, I've told the story a thousand times, uh, two years ago, my first year, really muzzleloader hunting. Uh, I bought a super cheap old muzzleloader from a buddy of mine, uh, had a couple hang fires. It cost me like a 150 inch 10 point and a, about 160 inch, uh, I can't remember if it was a 10 or a 12 big split G2s. Um, uh, completely missed the first buck because I had a really bad hang fire. Second buck, I had a, like a smaller hang fire and ended up hitting him in the leg um, never saw, well, I got pictures of him about a month later, but never saw him again. So, uh, got rid of that muzzleloader last year. My buddy that I hunt with in West Texas, he bought me a super nice muzzleloader, uh, so that, and like he bought himself one as well. Uh, so that he can come, basically he traded me, he bought me a muzzleloader and I, I let him hunt my place now. So I, I consider that a pretty good trade. So, uh, so yeah, I got this new muzzleloader. It's a CVA, um, Paramount Hunter, I believe. Pretty high end, uh, you know, nothing super crazy, but very, very nice. And uh, last year I spent, oh man, I spent like an entire day uh, sighted in mine and his, just because like you know it was a new gun. I don't, I'm not that experienced with muzzleloaders to begin with, and so just trying to learn the process. But eventually I felt pretty confident. Actually, like I felt more confident with that thing than I did some of my regular rifles. I mean, that thing, it's a straight shooter, but. Still just kind of learning the whole like cleaning process and and loading process and trying to be consistent. Um, all that to say, you know, last year uh, I didn't shoot anything with it. My buddy did, shot a nice uh, mature eight point. Um, you know, I, I shot it at the end of the year to empty it and uh, I did not clean it. And so it had just been shot the one time though. Like after I sighted in, I cleaned it and then I shot it the one time, put it up. So I pulled it out this year. And uh, I was like, you know, I'm going to shoot it just to double check. So went out there, set up a target. Uh, first shot was pretty darn good. I was maybe like three inches high at 100 yards. And I was like, you know, that's pretty good, but I'll shoot it again just to make sure. 
shot it a second time. This time it was like five inches high and like a half inch to the right. And I was like, okay, like that makes me feel less confident. And, uh, and so I, I, I run a quick little, you know, lubed up patch through it. Just, you know, I was like, maybe it's just dirty. Uh, shoot a third time. And now it's like seven inches high and like an inch and a half to the right. It's like, what is going on here? So, um, I, you know, check everything. Everything seems good. I was like, maybe this thing is just dirty. So took it back to the house, took it completely apart, uh, cleaned everything, didn't touch the scope, took it back out there. First shot. I mean, bullseye. I actually thought I missed the target, uh, because I couldn't see, uh, you know, a hole, but I walked, luckily I walked up there and sure enough, I mean, it was dead center. So that took my confidence through the roof. Um, but I was annoyed cause like now I feel like I'm, I'm only confident in it if it's super clean. So I took it back in the house, like completely took it apart again, uh, you know, brushed the barrel, rubbed the barrel down, uh, you know, patches through it, all that stuff. So all that to say, I'm feeling very, very good about the muzzleloader now, but I'm just frustrated with it. And so I, I plan to have a, uh, a muzzleloader expert on this year. And honestly, I just forgot, but I'm going to do that because somebody, I need somebody to teach me, uh, how to, to just take care of these things. So, so yeah, all that to say that was last weekend. Um, got everything set up, feeling good. Uh, I wish I felt a little better the last couple days. Uh, I've had, very, very little activity on my cameras, but I'm not too afraid because, as most of you listeners have probably experienced also, it's been stormy, super windy the last couple days, and I think that's just kind of taken, well, two things. I think that's taken some of the deer activity down, and I also think it has knocked all the acorns off the trees, and so a lot of my cell cameras are just on my feeders. Like, I don't have any cell cameras just out and about, really. Um, and so I think the deer have just been hitting those acorns and not hitting, uh, the feeders, you know, going out into the open during the storms and everything. So, so still feeling very confident. Um, my plan for this coming weekend, I've been talking about it for weeks. I'm taking a vacation day on Friday. So headed out there on Thursday. I'm hoping to get out there in time to hunt Thursday afternoon, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm going to hunt all day Friday, all day Saturday, at least Sunday morning. If I haven't, you know, tagged out, I might stay Sunday evening. Um, but I'm feeling extremely confident. Uh, my plan, uh, you know, I, I, the saddle, that spot that I talk about, I put one of my new banks blinds up there. I'll probably hunt it in the morning. It's just a super good morning spot. So I'll probably be in it with the muzzleloader in the morning. And then in the evenings, I'm probably going to bounce around a little bit, um, uh, I have several spots that I just, I've had two incredible bucks coming into one spot. Um, but again, they haven't shown up the last couple days and I haven't got any daylight pictures of them there. I'm hoping this cooler weather and the rain will get them up on their feet. Um, but if they're not there, I have two other spots that I'm feeling pretty good about. And so in the evenings, I'll probably do a combination of bow hunting and muzzleloader hunting because like a, a lot of my setups, I just have set up for bow. And so you know, if, if, if I'm going to have a deer at 20 or 30 yards anyway, like I would just feel like, I feel like I might as well shoot him with my bow instead of the muzzleloader. Just, just means a little bit more. Um, not that I am anti muzzleloader. I will absolutely pop one if it comes out. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I just, I've, I just, I've really, really want a super nice big buck with my bow. I've killed some decent bucks with my bow, but I've never killed that giant with my bow. And so, I'm going to be doing a little bit more bow hunting than I normally would during muzzleloader. Um, but yeah, so that's my plan for this upcoming weekend. I've gone, I mean, I'm at like 17 and a half minutes here and we're not even to the real podcast. So that's what I got coming up this weekend. I'll leave it at that. Um, follow along on my Instagram because I'm going to give a lot of updates. Um, and then after this weekend, the following weekend is the opener of Texas Rifle. So I'll be out in West Texas with my buddies out there. So a lot of hunting content coming up. All right, that's enough of an intro. It's time to get to it. We're going to be talking November. We're going to be talking rut, buck movement, hunting strategies, all that good stuff. We're going to cover it all right after this. If you are anything like me, you probably dream of owning your own piece of hunting or recreational land someday. If that's you, give one of the hardworking agents at Arrowhead Land Company a call. They will not only guide you through a complicated process but also help you pick out the perfect property for your needs, whether that's hunting, farm and ranch, or just a little piece back in the woods where the worries of the world can't reach you. Arrowhead Land Company, 
Hardworking agents for hardworking landowners. November is here, and there's not a more important time to get the most out of your trail camera photos. If you want to get real, up-to-date, science-backed data, make sure you're using DeerLab. DeerLab is a web-based app that does way more than just organize your photos. It tracks your bucks for you using factors like temperature, wind direction, moon phase, and time of day to help put you in the right spot at the right time. Don't leave your rutcation up to luck. Head to DeerLab.com and sign up for your membership. And don't forget to use code OKLAHOMAOUTDOORS for 20% off your subscription. I know there are some people listening to this that have little to no interest in deer hunting, but still love to get outside. If that's you, Private Water Fishing has your back. Simply head over to their website and sign up for your membership, and you will immediately have access to private lakes all over Oklahoma and Texas. No one to bother you or take your spot before you get there. Just a great experience all for yourself. Check it out at privatewaterfishing.com. All right, folks, in the words of the wise Nacho Libre, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. So, the first thing I want to say about November is it truly is the time that anything can happen at any time. But, it doesn't hurt to put yourself in the best position to be successful. So, the first thing I want to do is I broke the month down into thirds. So, I kind of want to go through each kind of portion of the month and just kind of talk about what's going on and what the deer are doing, in my opinion, you know, in my experience. And I've been whitetail hunting for 18 years now. Man, that makes me sound old. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I started hunting when I was 15. I'm 33 now. So, And I, I spend a lot of time in the woods every year, and especially in November. So I've been observing quite a bit. So, so yeah, so early November, I'm talking the 1st through probably like the 10th of 12th. This can be one of the crazier times. Uh, you know, does are starting to come into uh, estrus. Bucks are really seeking hardcore. A lot of times there's just deer everywhere. Um, so this is the time of year. Like if you see a doe, more than likely there's a buck somewhere around her. Or if not at that moment, there is going to be a buck somewhere out there because they are just actively seeking does. Um a lot of time, does are some of the does are starting to come in. Not all of them. Like we're not to that peak time yet, but there's enough does coming into estrus that the bucks are ready. They're ramped up. Uh, this time of year, usually for, food sources are still pretty good because, like the does haven't they haven't been pestered enough to really be like super weary of bucks. Usually, you know, in the beginning of November. Um, so a lot of times, you're still going to see a lot of deer on those food plots. But, you know, if you're bow hunting, it's hard to cover a big food plot. So probably my favorite type of hunting to do this time of year is pinch points. This is when pinch points are fantastic because you just have a lot of deer up on their feet and they're moving a lot. Um, and the, the place that always comes to my mind when I talk about this time of year and pinch points, on the property that we sold, I had this one amazing pinch point where a, a big rocky creek ran east to west and then there was a point that came off this hill from the north towards the south, towards that creek. And I could walk on the south side of that creek where there's not didn't have a lot of deer activity. And I could cross the creek, climb up into a stand right there in that creek with that, with that ridge coming down. And it just worked as an excellent pinch point. And deer would just pour through there in both directions. And if I had a north wind, that spot was just dynamite because no deer would ever smell me. I don't know why they didn't want to go on the south side of the creek, but they just didn't. And so if you can find a pinch point like that, um, you know, it, and it doesn't have to be like a, a natural feature like that. If you're in a flatter area, you know, it can be like where a little chunk of timber comes to a point. It can be, you know, like I said, use creeks, you know, maybe there's two creeks that are close together or something like that. Any kind of pinch point you can find, this is prime time to sit in one of those pinch points. Um, and just anywhere that has a lot of deer in general, um, because again, like I said, a lot of these does are going to be coming in, but not all of them are, and there's just going to be a lot of deer moving all over the place. So just find deer during these first, you know, 10 days or so of November, and you're going to be in pretty good shape because those larger bucks, they're going to be traveling. They're going to be looking for those deer. They're going to be looking for those does. And, um, and yeah, it's just, just anywhere that you can find a large concentration of deer is going to be really good. So again, that was, uh, November 1st to like the 10th, 12th, you know, somewhere in there. 
Next, we're going to talk about mid-November. Uh, we're talking like November 10th to 12th to somewhere to like the 18th to 20th range. And this, for most places, is lockdown. And a lot of people talk kind of negatively towards lockdown, but it can still be a good time. Um, so this is peak breeding. When, when people talk, when you hear that term lockdown, that usually means that the highest concentration of does are ready to be bred. They're in estrus. So the reason it's called lockdown is because a lot of times those bucks, there's so many does open, those bucks have found a doe and they're with her breeding her. And a lot of times a buck is going to stay with a doe for around 48 hours. And so if you're out there, if you're in your blind or your stand or whatever, a lot of times you're not seeing a lot of deer activity because there's just, there's a lot of breeding going on right now. So it can be super slow, but it can still be very productive because as soon as that buck finishes, you know, tending that doe, he's going to be looking for the next doe. And so you're not going to see a ton of deer during this time usually, but a lot of times you just you just have to stay out there. You know, you got to fight through the boredom because it literally any time a big buck could be coming through looking for that next doe. Um, by the time this is going on, you know, the does kind of know what's happening. They've been pushed around. They've been chased. They've been harassed. And so a lot of times they're off those main food sources. They're kind of, they're out of the open. You know, they're, they're trying to hold tight to the timber because they've just been, they've been pestered by those bucks. And so again, like you're just not going to see a lot of deer during this time. But again, it can be super productive because the deer are still going to be moving. And uh, sorry, one other last thing, awkward pause. But uh, during this time, a lot of times, it doesn't matter what time it is. And it doesn't matter like if it's hot or whatever. I mean, if it's cooler, yes, that's going to help. But these deer are ready to breed. They only get to breed once a year. This is their time. This is their only time. And they know that. So if this is their only opportunity they're going to make the most of it. So just because it's hot, don't stay inside and watch football or, or do whatever. Still get out there because at any time, like I started this podcast off, anytime, anywhere, any place, it can happen. So I know this is like a slower time to hunt, but it's still super important that you get out there. So that was mid-November. That, again, was like November 10th and 12th to about the 18th, 20th, somewhere in there. And then late October has always been interesting to me. Um, it's it, it's kind of, it's somewhat hit or miss. Um, at this point, a lot of the bucks are getting desperate. Um, you know, the a lot of the does have been bred. There's still some that haven't. Um, but a lot of times, this is when you have a shot at like the very biggest buck. Because a lot of these younger deer, you know, you've, you've probably seen it. You've probably already seen, you know, little bucks sparring or little bucks, you know, chasing a doe around. And that's where you always hear people like, oh, the rut's early this year, the rut's early this year. Because a lot of times they see those younger bucks, uh, you know, having rut-type activity. Um, but really what that is, those those younger bucks, they just don't know any better. Like they're, you know, they're they're ready for their first breeding season, or maybe they've had one breeding season, and they're just overly excited. And so they're running around, they're pestering the does, but the does just aren't ready. And those younger bucks, they use up a lot of their energy. You know, they've been chasing does before it was time, and they're just kind of already ran down. But those older, more mature bucks that know better, and they know to wait, and they've stored up that energy, they're still going strong. And so as there's less does out there, those older, better, you know, or not not, be, not necessarily better, older, more mature, mature bucks they're going to be out there and they're still going to be pushing it to the limit. They're getting more desperate. There's less does ready and they're trying to find every single one they can. And so again, this is when like you see a lot more of the bigger mature bucks. And a lot of times this is during rifle season. And so, you know, you can sit back, you can cover a large area. Great, great time to tag a buck. Um, again, they got the body weight and maturity to go through it. Um, this is when you'll also see like some of those does coming back to food sources, whether it's a food plot or a feeder. Um, you know, they've been bred, kind of their time is done. Uh, they're not getting pestered near as much and, and they've been off those food sources because they've been getting pestered by bucks. And so, you know, they're hungry, they're ready to build back up their energy and stuff before winter. And so it's a great time to move back to those food sources um, pinch points can still be great. There's still going to be deer moving through there, but again, it's going to be a whole lot slower than it was in that first third of November. 
So definitely don't be afraid to get back on the feeders and be patient um, because also the bucks will start hitting those, you know. They've been running hard. They've been breeding. They've been chasing. They've been just running themselves ragged. And a feeder is a great spot for them to, to, you know, slip in real quick. They get a lot of high energy uh, in a short amount of time eating that corn as opposed to trying to, you know, dig for acorns or something like that. Um, so, yeah, this could be a great time to get back and, and hunt your feeders. And the biggest thing with this last, you know, last little bit, third of the month is don't give up. You know, a lot of people are, are all gung-ho coming into November. They're like, you know, the rut is here and they're waking up early and they're, you know, staying up late and they're hunting all those hours. Uh, but this is also the time where you can get run down. And, and I've been there, guys. I've been there. Uh, you know, I've I've had a lot of tags in my pocket coming in, to, you know, Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving. And, you know, I've talked about how I love late season. Um, and a lot of times if I'm hunting late season, it's because I was not successful during the rut, but I'm still out there. And so that is the biggest thing. Uh, you have to, well, I don't know if necessarily conserve your energy, but just don't give up yet because there are still does that are not, have, will have not been bred and there are still bucks that are out there trying to breed them. So don't give up. And that's kind of a quick overview of the entire month of November. Man, I'm pretty proud of myself on that one. That was a pretty cool little 10-minute uh, rundown, but we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Uh, so in front of me now, I have just kind of a random list of just rut topics. We're going to talk about, you know, some trail camera stuff, some some like calling and everything like that. I got at least eight here in front of me that I'm looking at. Some of these are going to be longer than other, but these are just kind of general topics that have to do with the rut in November. So uh, the first one I want to say here is... Just because you're not getting any pictures does not mean there are not deer in the area. Uh, don't be fooled. Uh, just because, like, like I was talking about in my intro, like just because I'm not getting pictures on my cell cams or anything, those deer are still there. Uh, they're, they've just changed. Like they're just acting differently. And especially, you know, if you have if you're running your cameras on like trails or you know bedding areas, that type of thing, that stuff just isn't as applicable to the rut. Deer just aren't acting in the same way in November that they were acting in October or September, whatever month you want to uh, talk about. Like, they're just acting differently. They're moving differently. They're moving at different times. They're moving in different directions. Um, You know, a buck might not be in a bedding area, but he may be circling downwind of the bedding area. He's checking it for does. And so, just because you're not getting those big bucks on camera does not mean they're not there. Um, you know, people are always afraid that their buck is now six miles away and their neighbor's going to shoot him. And does that happen? Sure. But, uh, man, I, I, I talked about MSU a few weeks ago, uh, Mississippi State University. They have a lot of cool videos dealing with rut movement. And a lot of times those bucks are still there. They're still in that area. They're just traveling, and they're traveling all over the place. And by all over the place, I mean still within that core area the majority of the time. Uh, but they're just traveling differently. And so just because you're not getting uh, you know, those bucks on camera doesn't mean that you should give up and go somewhere else. Like They're probably still around there somewhere. All right, this next one, I know I talked about it last year, and then if any of you caught the How to Hunt Deer Deer Camp over on the Sportsman's Empire, which y'all should check out, um, it's like an optional thing that a bunch of us podcasters do. Uh, I've been on it two of the four times, I think. But anyway, uh, this is a tip that I learned from Bill Winky uh, several years ago. Um, I'm a huge fan of Bill Winky. He, that guy just has so much knowledge. But uh, one thing he talks about is when it's truly rut time, like when active chasing is going on, you can check your cameras more often than you normally would. Um, he and I and everybody else, you know, that we always preach, like, leave your cameras alone, let them soak, you know, the more often you check them, that's more scent and all that stuff. All that kind of goes out the window when it's really like peak breeding time, because these deer, they just, they don't care as much, you know, like they're, they're on a mission and they're not near as concerned with running across your human, human scent. And so Bill checks his cameras like every two to three days. And uh, I heard this tip several years ago and started doing it. And uh, the first year I did this, I actually, I, I killed a buck because of this strategy. Um, I would make a round, uh, I don't remember when it was, it was uh, before Thanksgiving. 
And that's the trick. You can't start this too early. Don't start this on November 1st. But if you get into that kind of 8th to 10th, you know, date range where the rut's really picking up. Uh, I, anyway, I, I was checking my camera every two days, basically, every other day. And uh, I, I pulled this card one day and I, you know, hadn't had much on it the day before. And then there was this buck, a nice, uh, which buck was this? Eight pointer. Yep. Real tall eight pointer. Uh, that I and he was on camera two days in a row in the morning, and so I was there the next morning. Actually, got this uh, buck on film. Uh, came in, I mean, just like clockwork, right about that same time. Uh, he was just checking for does. You know, I had a feeder there, but he didn't stop at the feeder or anything. He just cruised through, bad at him, bam, twenty. He was like twenty-two yards or something. Got the shot on film. He ran about sixty yards and was dead. And I never would have been there if I hadn't been checking that camera more often than I normally would have. Um, so yeah, again, don't start it too early because you don't want to add any added pressure just yet. But when they're really fired up, when they're going, you can get away with a little more. Like that's that's kind of common knowledge. Um, and so don't be afraid to check your cameras more than you normally would. If you can do it in a smart way, obviously that's better. You know, maybe if, if you have it on a road or something where you can just swing by on a ATV or something, pull the card without touching the ground, like that's great. Um, and, you know, maybe don't just like barge into your, you know, core bedding area or anything like that. But, but if you have some cameras that you can get to nice and easily, especially like if you're hunting in there anyway, you know, if you can just run up there and pull the card real quick, don't be afraid to check your cameras more often than you normally would. All right. Next tip. What is this one? Um, oh yeah. If you're not seeing like one of your target deer, maybe you have, you know, one or two targets that you're after. If you're not seeing those bucks, just go to where the deer are. And I talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, but if you're if you're seeing deer in a spot, whether it's does, young bucks, doesn't matter. If you're seeing a concentration deer in a spot, there is a reason those deer are there. It could be food. It could be water. It could be wind. Whatever the reason, if there are deer there, this is the time of year where eventually a big buck is probably going to come there also. He might be coming to, you know, check the does that are already there. He might be coming to take advantage of that food source or wind or whatever the reason those other deer are there. But just look for deer and eventually, most likely, you're going to run into a big buck or a mature buck in that spot. Like, the, like again, those deer are there for a reason, whatever that reason is. If you know the reason, great. You know, maybe you can take advantage of a little better but just look for concentrations of deer. And, you know, there's the old saying, in the rut, you hunt the does. It's true. Like, if, if there are a bunch of does in the area, there's going to be a buck in there eventually. So, uh, if, yeah, if you're not seeing your target buck, if you're not having any luck, just find deer and hunt those deer. And eventually, that buck is probably going to show up. All right, this next one is big, and it can be true in kind of two different ways. Um, historical data, historical data this time of year is super, super valuable. Um, you know, I always like to go through old trail camera pictures from last year and stuff, um, just to see, you know, any bucks that might've passed through the area. But again, I, I talk about how in two different ways, if you had a buck that maybe you passed last year or couldn't catch up with last year, you know, a buck that you knew, knew was there last year and he's back this year, going through that old trail camera data or memories or sightings, whatever it is, whatever data you have of him from last year is going to be extremely valuable this year. Because while he may not be down to the minute or day necessarily in that area, he's probably going to do a lot of the same things and travel a lot of the same ways and places. And it's probably going to be pretty darn close to the same time of year also, you know, within a day or two most likely. And so going through that old data and just kind of having it fresh in your mind, keep it on your phone, make a note of it or keep the pictures, whatever it is, you can kind of make a map, you know, literally on the map of where that deer was and when and hunt those areas because there's a very, very good chance that buck is going to do fairly similar things. Um, again, it's kind of a crazy time. You know, he could get pulled one way or another by a doe. But, you know, he's, he kind of has, most of these deer kind of have like a loop that they'll follow or an area that they'll concentrate in. And he's probably going to be, you know, pretty darn close to on that same loop or in that same area. And so using that historical data can help you hone in and at least cut out areas where he probably is not. So definitely take advantage of that data. 
And then kind of the second part to this is, you know, let's say you had, maybe you shot a big buck in one area or you just saw a big buck in one area. Maybe that buck is dead. Maybe he moved on or he's not back this year. More than likely, other mature bucks are going to use that same area. Bucks are very similar to each other a lot of times as far as their movements and stuff. Obviously, they each have their own personality. But uh, again, I'm going to take you back to the, the place we sold that I hunted for years and years and years. There was this one spot in the southwest corner that almost every year the biggest buck on the property was going to be. Or the most mature, I should say. Again, I keep saying I keep using the word big, but really you got to talk about maturity and not antler size when it comes to this. Um, but you know, I'd kill a big buck out of that area. The next year, there'd be another mature buck in that area because it was just the core area. It was the best habitat. It was the most secure, or had the most does, the best food. Whatever the reason was, every year there was a good deer in that area, and so. Maybe you killed a great buck last year, sweet, go hunt it again this year, about that same time or the same way, because more than likely, even if that deer you killed is gone, another one is going to step into the into his place. Um, you know, on the place I'm hunting now, y'all hear me talk about the saddle all the time. It's just a great natural deer movement area, and I mean, I've sat there years and years and years, and I see great bucks there all the time. Uh, sometimes I shoot them, sometimes I don't. But the fact is, whatever that terrain feature is, whether it's bedding or whatever, I know it's not food. There's no ag there. I did add a food plot last year, and uh, I tried to add one this year, but it's not growing. Whatever the reason, there's always big deer moving through that area. And so I hunt it. And for whatever reason, I always get a ton of movement in the morning and like nothing in the evening. And so after sitting there for a few years in the evening, not seeing anything, I don't really hunt it in the evenings anymore. Could it pay off someday? Maybe, but mornings, man, that is my go-to spot. Like I will go out of my way to hunt that spot in the morning because I always see a lot of deer and I've seen a ton of big bucks or mature bucks. I keep using the word big, a lot of mature bucks in that area in the morning. And so like I talked about in the beginning, my strategy this year, I'm probably going to sit that blind in the morning and then I'll find somewhere else in the evening, wherever, you know, whatever the cameras are telling me or my guts telling me, um, yeah, but I'm using that historical data in my favor uh, to be in the right place at the right time. Because again, even if the particular buck that you were after was in that spot, there's probably going to be another one in that spot. These bucks, they're just deer, deer. You know, I don't know how to say it. Deer, deer. And if it's good for one deer, it's probably going to be good for another deer. So use that historical data to your favor. All right, I definitely want to talk about uh, decoying and calling a little bit because this is one of the most effective times of the year for these tactics. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not super experienced with a couple of these, and I'm going to point out which ones kind of as we go, but I definitely want to cover them because I always get a bunch of questions about these. So first off, I want to talk about decoying, and decoying can be super effective in the right circumstances, but you have to have the right circumstances. Um, also a lot of times by the time like actual rutting is going on, it's usually too late for a decoy at that point. Not always. Some deer will still decoy, but decoys are really meant for that pre-rut time when that testosterone is building, uh, you know, it's getting close, but it's not quite there. Uh, maybe the does aren't quite ready, but the bucks are kind of sizing each other up, you know, establishing that, that dominance. That's when a decoy is super handy. And so, really, I should have talked about decoys a week or two ago. That's my bad. Uh, you know, trying to do these in advance is, is tough. But, uh, like, this coming weekend, I more than likely will pull out a decoy. I have one. Um, I've not shot a buck over it, but I've used it, and I feel confident in it. So, yeah, this last couple, uh, last week or so of October, and maybe the first, like, I'm going to say five to six days of November can be some really good decoy time. But outside of that little, I mean, 10 to 12 day stretch, a lot of times decoys are just going to do more harm than good. Um, uh, I do not use a doe decoy, um, and you don't want to use too big of a buck decoy either because, I mean, a lot of times, unless that buck, you, unless you kind of surprise them and you're right up on him, 
a lot of times that bigger buck is going to want to avoid a fight. You know, it, it comes back to that whole personality thing. Maybe you're in an area that just has naturally super aggressive deer. It could work out having a giant decoy. But for most of us, a lot of times that buck does not want to expend the energy to fight off a rival. So that's why a lot of times a smaller decoy is better. Um, and I've heard a lot of people, and I can't, I, I've, if I haven't, I've been meaning to do this online. Uh, they, they'll make the rack look funny. So a lot of decoys are like a, a, a you know, a decent sized eight point or a smaller size eight point. I've seen people like cut off one tine or cut off half of one tine. Basically you want the buck to look a little weak, you know, cause it's kind of a confident, just like with, you know, guys in the gym or whatever, you know, that big guy runs in. If, if he can just walk up there and kind of swell up and, you know, show off and scare that guy off, he'd much rather do that than actually have to, you know, push him over or fight him. And so having a decoy that's not too big and, uh, you know, maybe a funky rack is a good strategy. Um, but yeah, so decoying, again, early, early November can be good. A lot of times, once that rutting activity really picks up, it's time to put it away. Um Again, I'm pretty excited to try. I've always wanted to shoot a buck over a decoy, um, so that's maybe part of the reason I'm going to try it so hard this weekend. Um, but yeah, uh, for for most people, I would probably say stay away. If you if you don't feel confident in it, if you don't feel like you know what you're doing, it's probably better just to leave it away because you can still call to a deer without a decoy and it still be very effective. Decoy is just a good visual. You know, if you maybe you have a buck at a distance, if you have a wide open area. Um, you know, those are, those are prime decoying stuff. If you're in like timber and the deer can't see very far, it's not going to be near as effective. You'd probably be better off just calling. Um, but yeah, so that's my two cents on decoying again, not super experienced. So I don't want to talk too much about it. Um, but it can be very effective. I would say, go look to somebody who knows a lot more about it. Uh, you know, look up some YouTube videos or something like that. Um, so yeah. Um, same with calling. Uh, I don't do any blind grunting. Um, I, I don't just blow on it for no reason. Um, but I absolutely always have a grunt call with me because, yeah, man, I use it like if if it, if I see a buck that I want to shoot and he doesn't look like he's going to come into range, whether that's bow range, muzzleloader, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, if he looks like he's not going to come into range, that's when I use the grunt call. And I have successfully grunted in bucks and mature bucks. Um, but again, I, I don't just blind call because a lot of times these bucks, if they just hear a random uh, deal, you know, we talk about their nose all the time for a human. If you hear a noise or smell a smell, we use our eyes. We want to look at that, wherever that we heard that noise or smelt that smell. We want to confirm it with our eyes for a whitetail. It's their nose. So if they hear that random grunt or hear a rattle, whatever it might be, they want to confirm it with their with their nose. And if they can do that without going out into the open, they're going to do that. And so they're going to circle around, you know, downwind, probably in the cover. And so that's why I don't do a lot of blind grunting. But again, grunting can be very effective. Um, so a lot of times I wait till I actually see a deer. And again, if, if he looks like he's coming towards me, uh, just naturally, I'm going to let him come naturally. If a deer's going to come to you naturally, that is always, always the best answer. Um, but maybe he's going away, maybe he's crossing, whatever the uh, instance might be. If he doesn't look like he's going to come into range, that's when you pull out the grunt call. And a lot of times for me, I do like one grunt uh, to start out with. And if he hears me and stops and looks at me, I, I shut up. Um, if he keeps walking, that's when I'll pull out, you know, two or three grunts. And uh, I'm trying to, I think I've grunted in at least two mature bucks and uh, I think both times I grunted once, they stopped and looked at me, and then they kept walking, and then when I hit it that second time, that's when they turned, like, all right, bro, let's go. Um, so yeah, definitely always have your grunt call with you. This is the most effective time to use a grunt call, just like most of these calls, um, but make sure you don't overdo it. If you are going to blind grunt, uh, definitely, definitely don't overdo it. With deer, deer hunting is not like duck hunting or turkey hunting. You know, duck hunting, you lay on the call as much as you want to, doesn't really affect. Deer are just naturally not that vocal of a creature. And so if you're out there blowing on that grunt call every three to five minutes, that's just not natural. Like think about sitting out the woods. You never hear grunting that much. Um, so if you're going to use your grunt and, blunt and blind grunt call, I mean, you need to wait at least 30 minutes. 
between calling sessions. Um, I would almost go more than that. Um, well, really, I wouldn't do blind at all. But if you're going to, wait at least 30 minutes. Um, I've never tried like a bleak call or anything. Like I think I have a, a can back in, or, you know, somewhere from back in the day. Um, I, I've never really used it, honestly. I think, you know, when I first bought it back when I was like 19, I used it a bunch, never called one, anything in. Um, I have heard that they can be effective. I've never really used it. Um, but definitely always take your grunt tube with you. Um, uh, rattling, uh, again, like I, I have never in my life rattled in a buck, um, of any size, even a young buck. I've tried, um, man, I've watched videos. I've had people show me how they do it. Um, I don't know if it's just the, if it's just the area that I'm in, you know, maybe we have a, a good ratio and the bucks aren't as aggressive or what, but, uh, I do, I've, I've carried horns with me. I've carried rattle bags with me. I usually try it a couple times a year in the right situation. Um, and again, it's kind of like that decoy. A lot of times the earlier, the better, um, you know, before it's really peak rut time when they're in that posturing stage, you know, when they're looking to, to scare each other off or size each other up, that's when rattling is going to be really effective. Um, a lot of times if you wait till like after the peak, if you, you know, it's late November or something, more likely than not, you're going to scare that buck away uh, instead of bring him in. Um, but again, late October, early November, rattling can be very effective. Um, I have done some research into it. I've heard people talk about it. Uh, I've I've been to live seminars with Grant Woods. Um, he's a deer biologist in Missouri, and he's talked about research that they've done. If you are going to rattle, research has shown that by far and away, the most effective way to rattle is as loud as you can basically don't tingle the tines or anything like that you don't need to start slow and work your way up anything like that if you're going to rattle commit and rattle now the first time you rattle you might do a a shorter session in case there's one real close it's going to come out you don't want to be you know out there running around making a bunch of movement when it comes out but you still want to do it loud you want to bang those antlers as hard as you can and make a whole bunch of noise. And and if you can, don't just settle for antlers. I mean, if you can hit them on tree branches or kick leaves with your feet, I mean, really make a scene. Uh, buck fights are not a, a quiet thing. Like, they don't just stand there and shake their heads around, you know. Like, they're pushing each other. They're pushing and pulling and, and you know, knocking each other over. and, and try, I mean, they're, they're trying to kill each other. They are literally trying to kill each other. And so, like I said, if you're going to commit to rattling really commit to rattling. Um, after you do that first initial, it's a little shorter. I mean, go like, (laughs) I heard somebody talk about how they're trying to make their antlers smoke. I mean, they're hitting them, they're rubbing them, they're kicking leaves and branches and everything. Make as much noise as humanly possible because that's what deer do when they're actually fighting. So again, I'm, I'm a little weary of, of preaching about rattling because I have not done it successfully myself. But I do try every now and again. I'll probably try again this year because that's just another thing on my list. Like, I've always wanted to rattle in a buck. So, so yeah, again, go watch some YouTube videos or listen to somebody who knows more. But that's my two cents on rattling. All right, we got two more. These are probably the most simple, but also maybe the most important. And so the first one is just be out there. Uh, be smart with where you're at, but be out there. Um, don't be afraid to try a new spot, you know, maybe sit on a different corner of your property or in the woods or on a hill, wherever it is, just be out there. Because like I said uh, at the beginning and somewhere partway through, it could literally happen anywhere at any time. It's just, it's super unpredictable um, and you just never know when or where it might happen. But the more time you can spend out there, the more you up your odds. This is the, this is just the best time of the year to be in the woods because there are more mature or big bucks, however you want to put it, there are more of those type deer on their feet during daylight than any other time of the year. And so just being out there can up your odds. Even if you don't feel super confident in a spot, you just never know. Um, wake up early, stay out there till last light, Whatever it is, you know, if you can hunt all day, hunt all day. Um, but at least, you know, sit later than you normally sit. Get out there earlier than you would normally get out there. 
a lot of times on a on, you know on an average hunt like early well I'm not gonna say early October I don't hunt too many mornings during early October um, but a lot of times I'm sitting till like eight thirty nine something like that depending on what time the sun comes up when it's this time of year I'm like nine is my minimum I really like to sit till at least ten. Um, I've never done an all day sit. I just, I don't know if I can sit that long. A lot of times I get hungry and stuff. Um, but I'm going to sit till 10 and then I'm going to try to be back out there by like two or three o'clock, you know, run out, get some lunch, um, do what, anything you got to do, you know, restack your gear, get clothes, whatever it is, and then get back out there because the more time you can be out there, the higher your odds get. Is it still better first light and end of light? Probably. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best time or that that's when it's going to happen. Um, man, I've killed deer late morning. I've killed deer early afternoon. This time of year, I'm telling you, just the more you can be out there, the better. Uh, second part of this last part is just follow your gut. If whatever voice inside your head is telling you that you need to be at this spot at this time go there. Don't second guess yourself. Um, and I got a story to back this up. So this last year I was hunting in the saddle one morning. It was actually during rifle season. So this would have been, uh, it was before thing. It was like the weekend before Thanksgiving conditions were pretty good. You know, it was pretty cool. It was a morning hunt and I love hunting mornings that time of year. And, uh, and I'm sitting in, in my stand and I, to my left, kind of in front of me to the left is the canyon. Y'all probably heard me talk about. It's this deep draw. I think it drops off from where I was. It drops about 100 feet down to the bottom. It has two or three different little legs that come up. And uh, and I just kind of stay out of it. It's kind of like my sanctuary. Um, and again, we're into rifle season. I hadn't killed a, a buck in Oklahoma. And, uh, and I started getting real antsy. And I was like, man, maybe I should just drop down into that draw. Um I, you know, I just hadn't seen a deer yet. It was getting later in the morning. I want to say it was like nine o'clock, something like that. Uh, but my gut just said, I need to be patient. Like I'm, I'm getting too antsy. You know, we still had a lot of rifle season left, a lot of hunting season left. And I just told myself like, Hey, you need to be patient. And it just so happened that about that time, a little forky came out of one of the draws. And he ended up coming right in front of me. I took a video of him. He, he, I mean, he was like five yards in front of my stand, just right in front of me. But it just kind of, you know, it made me feel good. I was like, all right, hey, you know, there are still deer moving. I think I just need to sit tight. And about 10 minutes later, had a nice four-year-old eight-point eight come out of that same draw, come across, you know, milled around for a minute and walked off. About 10 minutes after that, I had another a uh, four-year-old eight-point come out from the other side, and he he ended up coming up across the hill, coming down into the food plot, and walking along the edge. Got he got pretty close to me, and then uh, man, like a little maybe twenty minutes after that, uh, over the hill here comes a five-year-old eight-point, pretty nice deer. Uh, he's he's the eight-point that I was trying to shoot with my longbow uh, last week. Uh, he he came across the hill, went down into this draw. A few minutes later, he came out of the draw, out of the draw, and came across. And man, I came really, really, really close to shooting him with my rifle. Uh, but he just, you know, he wasn't super impressive. Not super impressive. Not impressive enough that I wanted to shoot him with my rifle. I would have shot him with my bow, uh, but just not quite worth hanging my rifle tag on. Um, but but after that hunt, I was like, man, I am so glad that I just listened to my gut because my mind was racing. I was frustrated. I had hunted a ton last year, and um, I had actually uh, I had had a big nine point come out right after shooting light a couple nights before. I uh, I had my bow with me, but he he didn't get into range until after shooting light, and then the neighbor killed him like a day or two later. Um, so I was just kind of, you know, it was towards the end of November, like I talked about early, I was feeling run down. I'd been hunting so hard and I hadn't killed anything, but I went with my gut and ended up paying off. You know, I could have killed any three of those deer that I wanted. I, I let them walk because I wanted to see them get another year on them. You know, none of them were, were crazy big or anything, but, uh, but yeah, I went with my gut and it paid off. And so closing thoughts, just get out there and go with your gut. So that's uh, I think that's it, guys. Man, we've been going almost an hour. Hard to believe. I hope y'all enjoyed this format. Um, I, I've put a lot of time and effort into this, so I hope y'all enjoyed it and got something out of it. It's time, guys. It is time. November's here. Uh, again, this is going to drop Halloween Day. Get out there. Just get out there. Be smart, but get out there. Um, 
yeah, I'm so excited, guys. I'm so excited for this coming weekend. I'm feeling good. I don't know if I thought about calling my shot, but they've put a little bit more rain into the, into the forecast. I was going to call my shot for Saturday and say I was going to kill a buck on Saturday, uh, but they've added some rain chances, and I don't know how that's going to affect the deer. I don't know how hard it's going to rain. So um, I'm not necessarily going to call my shot on a day, but I'm just feeling incredibly confident that I'm going to have some luck this weekend, or at least have a chance, have a chance at a mature deer. I'll say that much. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a monster or not, but I have a feeling that I'm going to at least see and have a chance to kill a mature deer this weekend. So I got uh, I got five mature deer on my list. Um, one of them that I, I, would, I would really like to kill with my longbow. I've been talking about him for months now. Um, I got... A couple others that I would uh, kill with whatever weapon I happen to have in my ha- hand. Um, that one eight point, man, I'd really like to kill him with my bow. I don't, I don't it, it's the same one that I passed last year with my rifle that I was just talking about. I'd really like to get him with my bow. If, man, if he comes out and I got a muzzleloader with me, that's going to be a tough choice. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I have two or three others that no matter what weapon I have, they're going down. So, So please, guys, wish me luck. Follow me on social media. Keep up with me. I've loved the interaction we've had, and uh, and I hope it just gets better as the season progresses. So good luck to all you guys. Take this stuff to heart. Um, I really appreciate all the support. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. I love you guys, and I will see you guys right back here next week on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. 